When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Always Evolving is brought to you by Cast Centers, which is a company and organization very close to me. I founded Cast Centers over 17 years ago. We provide the best evidence-based practices for therapy, mental health, addiction, Anytime you're struggling or you have a loved one who is struggling, make sure you go to our website at www.castcenters.com, C-A-S-T, centers.com. Give us a call. We're here to help. We'll help you with a free assessment, and let's get your mental health on track. Today and Always Evolving, I am having my former assistant, joining us, Samson Matavassel. Hey, Samson. Hi. But Samson is, has evolved, and uh, Samson's a therapist, and now he's the program director over at Cast Centers, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Mike. I lean on you so much, and I, uh, Samson and I were meditating together. That's right. Upstairs in my house, like we used to do in the good old days. Mm-hmm. I think your first day working with me, I was recording the audiobook for Best Self. Yeah. And I stopped everyone to do a meditation, didn't I? Or music? Yeah. Or... Yep. I was thinking, what am I getting myself into? What did it, what happened <laughs> that day? Do you even remember? Yeah, we were uh, we we're in the studio where they were rec- you were recording the Best Self audiobook. And it, I think it was your first time recording an audiobook. And it was just... We, you know, I think neither of us knew how difficult it would be to have to just read a whole book in a span of two days and be legible. And, and at some point, I think you were just like, I think we all need to meditate right now. <laughs> I remember the sound engineers brought loaves of bread. Yeah, that's right. He baked his own sourdough bread. That was a I highlight. I don't think I ever ate it. I definitely did. They were really bread. nice guys. Yeah. And uh, so when you do a book a publisher may ask you to do the audiobook and as part of the contract for my audiobook i had agreed to do it which initially thought i thought i would be very excited a friend of mine who wrote a book her, her name's mallory irvin who recorded her audiobook and she posted about it, said it was the best thing ever for me it was hell <laughs> i having a lisp and a deep voice and add and impatience and how it works with an audiobook is they want to make sure every word you say with the affect and the importance of whatever you're speaking about. That's all right. So they make you do it over and over and over again. If you, the listener of this podcast, uh, want to check out the best self or one decision audiobooks, uh, it's my voice. And they are my attempts at recording the best possible audiobook. And know while you're listening that I went through a bit of hell. And a few loaves of sourdough bread. And a few loaves of sourdough <laughs> bread. <laughs> and um, some sentences I probably said 40 times. But we got through it. And I'm thrilled because Samson, um, you know, you were my assistant for two years. And then you 
uh, became a therapist at CAST, and now you're the program director over there. And, you know, we're both in recovery. We both are passionate about mental health. And today, um, you know, part of what I've always said is mental health, especially in my generation, I'm 42, and the generations that are older than me, mental health was not a thing in high school at all. I didn't even know what mental health was. I just knew if you went to therapy, you were seen as a little bit crazy. And today I had the opportunity, uh, I connected with someone on Instagram um, who is a teacher over at, uh, what was her name, Sophia? Kate, that, yes, Mrs. Buccio. So hopefully I'm saying that right. And she has an AP honors class of juniors and they I spoke to them today I answered their questions they're at a high school called Manola in That's New cool. York very cool and they were on chapter eight and they've done every exercise in best self yeah every exercise in best self it's part of the course curriculum this year and they're trying to make it a curriculum for the school and it wow. was one of the most inspiring full circle experiences that I've had in a long time. That was not my high school experience at all. No. I just remember they were just hammering. The thing I remember the most was we had, this was middle school actually, where they, they, they made this, they had this thing. I I don't know if it's still around the constitution test where you have to like basically memorize the constitution. And if you don't pass this test, you cannot move on. And it was so difficult. And, um, there was no, yeah, and I, I, I really just remember like the history, math, and English really the most, but there was, yeah, there was definitely no, I had a study hall. That was as close as I got to a mental health class <laughs> because you got to like, you know, the teacher didn't have a curriculum. She got to kind of just talk to you about how you're doing, but that was as close as we got to any sort of mental the health. The first, you know, the first therapist that I was sent to, his name's E. Patrick Miller. And I went to him because I had to ask my mom and dad, but they were saying I was having emotional issues. Plus, I was getting a lot of trouble with drugs. Um, But that was the first time I even admitted to another human being that uh, I was attracted to the same sex. You know, I went to a Catholic high school. It was religion class. Uh, You were graded, literally graded, if being gay was a sin. Part of your class, (laughs) you're graded on it. Wow. Um, and it's really interesting to now see a group of students who were asking me questions about, you know, how to be authentic. What does it mean to live your best life versus best self? And the group said that they initially weren't that close. And because of the work they did together, they all went out to dinner They all were compassionate towards each other. They learned so much about each other. And I just remember in high school, I don't think I ever had that experience. No. I don't think I ever got vulnerable with other students in class. No. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, it's amazing that it's moving in this direction. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really, really wonderful. Yeah, I did not have that experience either. And, And then later in life, we try to resolve all of these challenges that we get from our mom or dad our childhood and it's hard you know these things get hardwired into us and we try so hard to change to change the parts of us that feel inauthentic and 
I just want to say thank you to you because you've always been a shoulder for me, even though we work together. I, you know, I have the luxury of surrounding myself with people like you who listen, who don't have to, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, we have chemistry, we work well together. I learn from you, you learn from me. And, and that's the thing about being a boss and for myself is I've really come to realize that I don't know better than the people who work for me. I have vision of where I want to go with something, but I'm not better. And in fact, I try to surround myself with people who are a lot better than me in certain categories so I can learn, so we can be a better team. But, you know, it's, I know you, you, you ended up having to go to treatment. I ended up having to go to treatment. We both had a history of struggling with mental health issues. And I sometimes wonder, what if society and culture, like these students, started to have personal development and self-awareness and confidence building as a part of schools? Because my opinion is, to be a parent, you should actually have to pass a test. That is more important, passing that test, than the SATs. <laughs> In my opinion, it's a lot of people shouldn't be parents. A lot of people should not be parents. They um, are not ready. They're not self-aware. They don't know what issues they're bringing on to the other person. And they actually are being selfish and thinking by having a kid, they're finally going to feel whole and happy. And I've seen it a lot. And thank God I'm not straight or I'd, I would have had little Mikey's running around everywhere. Okay. <laughs> I would have had a lot of little Mikey's because I would have gone for that formula perhaps. Mm. You know, I, I think God or universe, I always say that uh, I think uh, gays are a form of birth control uh, in culture. <laughs> and I, and I bring that up just, just because it was so difficult for me in high school and no one to talk to about that specific issue. But really, when you peel the layers back, we are screwed if we go, grow up in a dysfunctional family without outside help. It is almost impossible to change shame, guilt, blame, suffering, emotional pain, trauma without any form of outside help. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have been trained almost to believe that they have to do it themselves, but you don't. And if you try to, it's kind of the difference between trying to get in really good shape alone or having a trainer, going to classes, having accountability, having community, having love. And I hope, I really hope that there's this because there's it's so trendy this new movement around mental health and all these celebrities are talking about it and you have all these digital apps that claim they're going to help your depression you know for twenty dollars a day or whatever it is but i really hope that self-help and personal development and i've always wanted it to be embedded in culture so today's experience for me was awesome not just because it was best self the book i wrote mm -hmm. but the fact that in a weird way i was able to see myself being in high school and being able to give back to students and knowing there were some of those students who were suffering how do you think your life would be different if you, 
you know, in your high school experience, they did talk about. Yeah, I think it would have been much different. I mean, look, we can't we can't look back and go could have, would have, should have. Right. Right. But I think all of our lives would be different. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morph. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. I think all of our lives would be different if we had the opportunity to understand how to deal with anxiety. Right. Understand what depression is. When is it really bad? We would save lives. We would train people to be willing to ask for help. Exactly. Instead of training people to make fun of others or keep things a secret. Well, that's what happens, right? And usually people who experience trauma, things like that, are motivated by keeping themselves safe, mm. which usually includes not asking for help or keeping right. things to yourself. And that's why just asking for help is like one of the biggest steps that someone can possibly take. But it's so difficult because of exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, I, I realized recently I was not, and this is not me complaining about mom and dad. Well, it's maybe a little bit. <laughs> I grew up in a house where, and this is, I literally couldn't experience feelings as if they were just my own. So if I was angry about something, um, it, someone would quickly say, well, you, you shouldn't be that angry about it. If I was sad about something, someone would one up and be like, well, actually my life's more difficult. Or if I was overly happy about something, well, I'm sure you're happy, but I had to cook dinner tonight. There was no just allowance of just pure bliss feeling, whether it was peace, whether it was depression, it was almost kind of controlled. And what that does is it creates a lot of anger and the need to use drugs. So by a school allowing and creating a space where you could talk about your dark thoughts in a way that was safe. The problem is with Catholic high school, I couldn't talk about it. So even if they offered this at my school, it would have had religious undertones that would have had its own morals and values. And who knows, I maybe would have sucked even more. But if I didn't, gosh, how magical that could be. How great it could be to understand that you're more capable than you know. And that you're not what your mom and dad told you. You know? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people would relate to that because it's such an important time in our lives, mm. you know, growing up. And it's sometimes we don't even realize how certain things affected us until way later in life. Yeah. And I think I agree with you. I could have definitely benefited from like just a space at, in my school where I saw other people talking mm. openly. It would have actually inspired me and made me feel comfortable enough to also be like, this is what's going on with me or this is what I'm struggling with right now. And it would normalize a lot of things and validate a lot of things. Mm. Do you think it would have changed anything for you? Probably. Well, by the time I was a junior, it was already, I was already kind of getting into some trouble personally. Mm. Um, but I think it would have. I think it would have. It would have opened me up to 
knowing what's out there a little bit, like knowing that uh, asking for help, there's help. I think one of the things that holds people back from asking for help is they don't even know what help is available. Mm. And I know that's something I believed when I was younger. I'm like, well, my struggle, my difficulty isn't asking for help. It's I don't know what kind of help I need. So if someone says, how can I help you? I wouldn't even know what to say. And so it would. I think it would have opened me up to this to understand that a lot of people may f- have felt the way I felt when I was in high school. And uh, there's there's people who care and, you know, just feeling more connected because when you when you struggle with anxiety or depression and things like that at a young age, it isolates you if you're not talking about it because you think you're the only one or you're unique or you're mm. no one will understand, right? So it would have actually taken that out of the equation. And I don't know how that would have impacted. I mean, if you think about it, it's crazy. If you the, the courses in high school and how many of those courses are completely irrelevant. I don't remember much. I don't even know why I need to learn algebra. Well, it must be really interesting for kids now that there's like all this technology. I remember you know especially with like things like math and it's hard i wonder what the i mean relevant. algebra was basic yeah and i don't use any algebra today right do you, you? Don't use all the time mike lies i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> no i don't i i don't i don't i don't really know what science was interesting i think science because at least there was like we would do experiments and it was like visual but yeah math was but i, I imagine it's worth we I, even when I was in high school, we didn't really have technology. Like, we didn't really have cell phones or anything yet. Mm. I imagine now, imagine being a kid in high school now, having a cell phone in your pocket and having to learn, like, math when you literally... You have to be so disciplined. It's just like, I don't know how I would sit through that. Like, I could just Google this or whatever. Yeah, it's, uh, it's changed a lot, you know. The, the, and I don't know if this still goes on. And, and physical education was a course where... It was how many push-ups can you do on pull-ups. And at the end of the day, how successful one is in life, the most important thing is how they perceive themselves and this life. See, you bring up such a good point. There was physical education, and that's been around forever. Forever. But there's no mental ed- education or anything that addresses how you're doing in regards to your mental Or how to, how to cope. And that's what I'm saying. Because there's no exam for these parents... These poor, I, so I just spoke, a lot of my energy now is trying to go back and it's been inspiring to give back to parts of my life that I wish I had, right? And I spoke to uh, LGBT homeless youth. Um, and part of the reason I spoke to them was just because I wanted to, to offer a free talk space and just kind of check it out. There were pros and cons to it, for sure. It was powerful. It was amazing. But these poor young adults came from some of the most horrific families where the dad would be abusing the daughter and the mom would choose you know, the stepdad over her own daughter. Mm-hmm. And there was just story after story after story and then you look at it and you go, okay, well, how is this young girl supposed to get through life believing that life has hope for her, that she is capable and abundant and magical? If no one was telling her that and you don't learn that in school, where do you learn it? And if you watch movies, that's fantasy from love 
to making money, even what we see on Instagram and Facebook. It's not, it's not real. It's the best versions. It's the best stories. So from the talk today, I, I really got motivated for maybe, maybe if there's more high schools out there that I could talk to, that I could have the book be a part of the curriculum, I really think it would help I mean, it helped this group tremendously. I felt kind of insecure because they're the smartest kids in the class. They were like the gifted students, right? So I was, in my mind, I thought these 17-year-olds could run circles around me with certain academic, you know, and even what they were passionate about was was pretty amazing. And some of these young adults are really going to have a huge impact. And odds are some of these young adults are really going to struggle. And the less that we have people struggle, the less likely in my mind people fight, people kill, people go to war, people hurt each other, you know? And it was so cool to see it. It was almost as if my reason and purpose for doing what I do today, and I didn't get paid, right? It felt better than when I get paid because it just felt right. It just felt easy. It felt right. And it was a group of young adults that were eating up the content. And the great thing is the way I write, it's, it's, it's not what I think. It's how to figure out for someone who they are and how they think. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really cool experience. And, you know, I, I, I say all of this for one, that hopefully if someone's listening, they have me <laughs> involved in their high school because I actually am really inspired by it right now. And two, because uh, I think that often we beat ourselves up, but we didn't have the tools. We can get the tools today. We didn't have the tools growing up. I didn't have the tools. You didn't have the tools. Mm-hmm. We had to be easy on ourselves. You know, we're doing the best we can. Yeah, and we can develop the tools, and it's never too late. What's a tool that changed your life? Wow, there's been so many. Um, a screwdriver. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, meditation was a big one mm. because it was so hard for me to figure out. And then I realized that once I stopped trying to figure it out is when I figured it out. Um, meditation was huge. Um, and I think the thing that's helped me the most is something you've already mentioned, which is having a select few people Mm. who I can go to about anything. That's been really helpful Mm. because I think a lot of us struggle with this thing of going to the wrong people for the wrong things. Mm. And once you figure out for yourself, whatever is true for you, who you can go to for what need or what support, that was a huge game changer for me. Um, So meditation and and going to the right people for the right things were were two huge skills. Mm. Yeah, meditation always works. Yeah. You know, even I got back into now journaling every day, you know, a page, meditation. And right now I'm on the sixth step because I I work the 12 steps of recovery. That's about essentially how it works is the first step is I have a problem. The second step is about there must be hope out there. The third step is allowing the the, the help. Fourth step is making a huge list of everything you fear, resentment, um, anger, frustrations, sexual inventory. The fifth step is you share it with another human being, which I did. And now I'm at the point where it's having God remove these defects of character. 
And, you know, and I've, I've been doing this for 20 years and my understanding of like, I do all these things now because I don't want to experience emotional pain. You're motivated by pain. I'm motivated by pain yeah. more than consequences, right. much more. Yeah. You know, consequences, I can really go, ah, whatever, it is what it is. The emotional pain of not feeling connected, and I, I'm really diligent now. You know, I used to play a video game before I was going to bed, sleep. Now I, I lay in bed and review my day and think, do, do I owe amends? What do I need to do a little differently? I made amends recently. I had a publicist who was uh, recommended to me two years ago during COVID. And during COVID, there was no PR except COVID. And so there was no reason for me to have a publicist. And this was two years ago and we settled our bill, but I knew that I owed her. So I paid her $2,500. What was the reaction? Surprisingly shitty. Really? Yeah, <laughs> but I feel better. That's awesome. Wasn't like, oh my God, thank you so much. Because the reality was there wasn't much press. Right. You know, that, that, yeah. but I need to keep my word. Exactly, yeah. And my word was I'll pay the bill of what's owed. I think it was like 5000 a month or 5500 or around there. So whatever I owed, I should pay. I didn't need to pay it. But I'm really on this kick of making right. You know, I want to walk into any room and see any person and not feel thrown. That's the goal, yeah. Or, oh, I owe them an apology. And so I'm, I'm going to be on the Magical Amends Tour soon. So there's going to be a lot of people uh, getting amends from me. <laughs> because especially during COVID, some of my behavior was not my best self. But that's the magic of life is we have the opportunity. And some people, it, it, you know, the key is it was a little disappointing that her reaction wasn't thinking, oh, my gosh, no one's ever done that before because they probably haven't. However, for me, it just felt right. That's what matters. At the end of the day, it's just about being able to have peace of mind. Yeah, my values are to be honest and keep my word. And all of a sudden, I was not keeping my word. So... Anything that haunts me now, I, I want to really correct and make better. And that's, that's just where I'm at right now. I feel a bit fragile, unusually. I'm normally just so confident and all over it. But I feel this is such a great growth period because I am doing whatever it takes to make my mental health be number one. You know when you coast. Yeah, of course got to constantly change. I don't see you, though, like, challenged at times. You just, you just keep it away from me, huh? Well, yeah. You're better I mean... with it. I'm your boss. <laughs> yeah, but of course I struggle just like anyone else, and um, it's got to change. It's like new things happen, you know? And, you know, in recovery, yeah. it's like your life gets fuller and bigger and new things happen and fear sets in or insecurity sets in and anxiety comes up. I was going to ask you, what is your favorite type of client to work with? Favorite type of client? Yeah. Uh, that changes a lot. But lately? Lately, I love working with people who struggle with anxiety. Anxiety. I would have to say anxiety. You love helping people with anxiety. Especially adults, because like you mentioned earlier, you know, working with kids usually involves, there's only so far you can go with Yeah, you kid. deal with the parents. You got to work with the family. But I love working with anxiety because- when you're working with someone who struggles with anxiety, when you're someone who's, who has anxiety mm. and you're in it, you're really wrapped up in this reality that 
is so reinforced by your perspective, your experiences, how you look at the world, all that stuff. But when you're working with someone with anxiety and you can and you support them in kind of challenging that or seeing it differently or changing their behavior, mm. it's amazing to see that anxiety lift. But that could change tomorrow. I love working with with all I love working with all clients. Um, but anxiety, I would say, is one of my favorites for sure, probably because of my own experience with anxiety and working through anxiety and just knowing it's totally possible to overcome anxiety. How, how quickly do you see people change when you're working with them when they have anxiety? How quickly? Well, I feel really lucky that I work in an outpatient center mm. because there's a timeline. You know, we, we don't have all the time in the world and I'm a huge fan of quick results because mm. I think at the end of the day, the people who really want to change want it to happen quickly. Yeah. Now, of course, that's not always the case and we have to be patient with ourselves and kind to ourselves. But, um, I love being in an environment where it's, there is that kind of like, Hey, you're starting today. Where do you want to be two months from now, three months from now? How do we get you there? Mm. Yeah, and sometimes it happens quickly, sometimes slowly as they say, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, when you see those lights turn on or people really make those connections, it's, it's amazing. Well, you're so good at what you do, which is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the passion you have and how you're always researching best practices and best approaches and your own personal experience. And, you know, we have Dr. Milet who's just been around forever and a part of the team and there's just a great group of people. And, you know, we're dealing with situations that are really life or death. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we get to see people live, it's, it really aligns with our purpose. Yeah. Definitely. And when someone's in a lot of anxiety, they're not living, you know, they're, they're kind of fragmented or, or a bit frozen or floaty or foggy Surviving. or, well, listen, man, I just wanted to connect yeah. with you today. We were here and I thought, Hey, let's just jump on the podcast together. And uh, I really appreciate you. And, um, if you want to check out Samson did a meditation here on this podcast, always evolving. Those of you who are part of our empowerment group know Samson from the group. And uh, overall, if you go to castcenters.com, you can learn more about what Samson does, what we do at Cast Centers. You can always call us for a free assessment. We take most major insurances. Our place is beautiful. It looks like we're some huge private pay, you know, a magical destination. But the truth is we take most insurances and we take our job seriously and with love and also uh, fun and kindness and compassion. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, Samson. Thank and you. And until next time, keep it magical.